You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Turn with me to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. You're like, uh, where's Joel? It's right before Amos. You're like, where's Amos? Well, it's pretty close to the end of the Old Testament. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, you're wrapping up the prophets there and then the New Testament. So uh, if you're on your phone, it's going to be easy to find. I'm going to talk tonight about your restoration project. Everybody should have a restoration project going on right now in your lives, either because you're fixing something up in your life or because you're restoring something for maintenance in your life. And we're going to get into what that means. This message came out of a place uh, that was, man, this was drilled into my heart so lovingly by my grandmother as I grew up. Um, she was awesome, an incredible woman of God, had so much impact on me spiritually growing up. You guys know that many times in our lives that we serve God because we had a grandma or a grandpa or a mom, or a dad, or an aunt, or an uncle who was praying for us and wouldn't let go. Amen? In my life, that was my grandmother, and I'm so grateful for her. And she used to quote this scripture all the time to me. And growing up as a kid, I was like, man, this scripture means nothing to me. I don't even know what a canker worm is. (laughs) This is what Joel 2.25 says. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. So a canker worm is kind of like a caterpillar before it turns into a butterfly. And a canker worm is extremely destructive to crops. And a canker worm infestation can last up to four years. Now you might say, man, I've had a bad day. I've had a bad week. This has been a tough month. It's been a rough season in my life, but for four years, something has relented in your life, amen? And maybe there's a part of your life that you're pursuing that's been four years or longer. The promise of God is not limited by time, and God has horrible timing. God's timing is awful. You're going to say it's perfect, but then I'm going to just check you on that for a minute and ask how many of you have been shown up a little late by God sometimes, the way that you perceive it. In human timing, God's timing's bad. It's not good. We're always like, man, God, hurry up and bring this, right? Or are all y'all perfect? Well, the ameners here just a minute ago were you guys like, oh, yeah, God's timing's always been perfect in my life. I've, I've always felt like God always showed up right on time. Liars, because y'all have been sitting in my office before, right? (laughs) We think sometimes that God's timing is horrible. We know that in the grand scheme of things that God's timing is perfect and always will be. But many times in our lives, we think that God's timing stinks. And we're going to read about a woman who encountered something sort of like this. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Kings. We're going to read a lot of scripture in 2 Kings, but we're not going to read them all at once. So, uh, you know, hopefully you won't get bored or, or uh, fall asleep on me. If you do, hopefully your wife will wake you up. We have all had hard times in our lives. 
As a matter of fact, there's probably something difficult happening in your life right now. We've all been disappointed. We've all been heartbroken. We've all been frustrated. We all feel like we've been left alone at times in our lives. Sometimes there's things that have been broken in our lives. Sometimes there's things that seem like they're beyond repair. That no amount of time or money or people could fix in our lives. Something is so broken or has left us hurting so bad that it's beyond human help. We've all been that place in our lives and we'll all be there again. That time will come because things in this world are limited, but God's goodness is not limited and he's not limited by time and that's why sometimes it feels like God's timing in our lives really stinks because he's not limited by what we see and feel and think about on this earth. God's an eternal God, amen? amen? And sometimes we forget that we're also going to live for eternity. Things, things seem very limited in time here. We, we always feel pressed for time. You talk to somebody and say, you know, how's your day going? Man, I wish there was 26 hours in a, in a day, right? Somebody told me last night, man, I've been working 28 hours a day and eight days a week for however many years of my life. Sometimes it just seems like we don't have enough time, but we do. And let's look in 2 Kings, and let's talk about a great woman of God. Starting in verse 8, we're going to read all the way through verse 37. And this is what it says. One day, Elisha, who was a prophet of God, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there. So, She's well-to-do. In other words, she she got a lot of money. She got her life together. A well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And this was often. This wasn't just one time. She offered him a meal. One time he stopped. And then every time he would pass by there, she would offer him a meal. And he would stop and eat there with her and her husband. And so she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay whenever he comes to us. When he comes by this way, he'll have a place to stay with us. And like any smart man said, he said, yes, ma'am, my love, whatever you want to do, that's what we're going to do. So they put up a room on, that, on the roof of that house, and they made it where this man of God, this prophet, every time he came through, had a place comfortable to be. Now, the first thing that I want you to notice about this woman is she's well-to-do, so she's wealthy, and the reason that she's wealthy is because she's a giver, and she thinks about other people, particularly the body of Christ, people of God. She's thinking about this guy, and she does something for him, and she doesn't give the gift to the man. She's offering this gift to God, and that's pivotal in the story that you're about to hear about her. And it goes on and says after that, verse 10, uh, let's make a a small room for him. We're gonna move right past that to verse 11. And it says, one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. So she built the room and then it's used by the man of God. Now, the first point I'm gonna make to you tonight is that we have to lay a foundation of trust between us and the Heavenly Father. God has given this woman finances. 
And she has used the finances that God has blessed her with to build trust between her and the heavenly father in her life. And the way she's done it is by making room for the prophet. See, a lot of times we think that God owes us something in our life. Like we have expectations of him, but we haven't laid down a foundation of trust in our lives between us and him for him to be able to pay up on the expectation that we're putting on him. I hear a lot of times from people who come to us, and, 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 and a lot of times these people are lost and hurting. They don't know Jesus. And a lot of times they, they come in and they're like, man, God didn't move for me. How mean and cruel is God? And they haven't ever had a relationship with him. Or if they started having a relationship with the kid when, when they were a kid, they walked away from him. Like they've completely abandoned God, but expect him to show up in the tough times. Life doesn't work like that. I don't know if you realize that or not. Don't show up for your boss. Don't tell him that you're not coming. See if you get a paycheck at the end of the week. Right? Don't show up at the house. Don't visit your family for a couple of years. See if they acknowledge you when you come knocking on the front door and need something. Right? But we have this thought in our heads that, well, God's perfect, and he's perfectly loving, so every time I need something from him, God, he should be there. He should be showing up every single time. But that's not what love is. Love isn't being there for people to use you whenever they need you. That's not love. That's manipulation. Right? Love is what? Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. The Bible tells us what love is. That's the list of what love is, and God is love. He fulfills every one of those things. What God is not is an enabler. And that's why God just doesn't show up for everybody all the time and just do what they ask him to do. Now, he's always there. God's always showing up but he's not always just gonna do what we ask him to do. But the Bible tells us how to get there. We want him to do what he asks us to do. We first have to lay a foundation of trust between us and him. Moving on in verse 11, it says uh, that he came down and he laid down in the room. He laid on his bed. That's important. We're gonna come back to that in a little bit. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. I'm guessing maybe they don't speak the same language. Like, I can't understand why. He called her and had Ghazi talk to her, and, like, he's telling her, you know, tell her this and tell her that, because he does this throughout the whole account. So I'm guessing maybe they speak a different language, or I'm not sure exactly what the deal is there, but that exists. So he called her, stood before him, and he said to tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf of the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have among, a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked Gehazi. And he said, she has no son and her husband is old. You remember that horrible timing I was telling you about, about God? Her husband's old. It's like Abraham and Sarah. This isn't the time to be having kids, right? The woman has everything else. Elisha kind of tried to uh, take the easy way out. He's like, who can we talk to you to pull a favor? And she's like, 
I've got a home in my own people. Like, I'm doing good. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I just added on a room for you in my house. And that wasn't a big deal. I'm doing good. I don't need you to talk to the king. I don't need these things. And he asks, what can be done for you? And the prophet is acting just like our heavenly father does. Man, when our lives are full, God's looking to add to it. When we feel like we have the things we need, or maybe sometimes we don't want to admit the things that we need in our lives, God is looking to fill those holes for us. That's how incredibly loving and kind and good our God is. So, what does this woman need? She needs a whole heart. She needs needs a, a place in her heart filled by a son. She's got a husband, but apparently there's a, there's a hole in her heart that's been left by not having a child. And so Elisha is going to address that. This is where God's timing can go from being really bad to really good. And the key is when you trust him. Verse 15, then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and, he, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your, serv- your servant. This is kind of like, a, this is kind of, to me, this is kind of like her shut up moment. Right? Pastor Steve said he doesn't use the word shut up. Um, I do use the word shut up a lot. Um, but it's always like in a positive way, you know. I'm like, like something good happens and I'm like, shut up. You know, it's, it's like I use stupid the same way, like, Stupid means good to me. I know that's probably a little strange, but looking at me, you should be able to figure out that that's part of what comes with the package, right? I'm a little bit different. Um, And so, but I I see this as like the shut up moment that this lady's having. Like, shut up. You're not saying, no, you're not telling the truth. I, I actually experienced a moment like this, and this just came to me. It's not in my notes. One time I asked this girl to marry me, It's blazing hot. And we were in a park, and I got down on a knee, and I asked her to marry me. And she looked at me, and she said, shut up. You're lying. You don't mean this. Nuh-uh. No. And we go on through this for like, I don't know, it was like 13 minutes. It's the most she had ever talked to me at that point. And, uh... And finally, I was like, well, can you just at least give me an answer? Like, I'm down here on a knee. I'm holding the ring. Just give me an answer. And, and she, uh, she said, okay. And then she gave me her list of requirements, and I said, okay, I'll meet the requirements. No. But she really did. She, yeah, she told me, shut up. And that's just how I see this conversation happening in my mind. Like, she almost just doesn't believe how good God is being in this moment. And she's like, don't, don't mislead me. Because I'm sure many times in her life she's thought, I hope this is the time that I'm pregnant. I hope this is the time that we're going to have a son. I hope this is the time that I get to carry my husband's name on for him. I'm sure she's had this thought many, many times. And God, out of nowhere, when she's not asking for it, says, this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. Isn't God so good? He's so good to us. He loves us so much. And this is where we see God began to intervene. And in the timing that probably looks horrible to this lady 
and she never expected, God shows up right on time. And the thing about God showing up right on time is that when we're in the middle of our restoration project, and it feels like we're blowing the budget, we're behind on time, and nothing's going right, we can't get things really to seem to kind of line up for us. He shows up, and it all becomes right. He makes it all right, like in just one move. And so I want to encourage you tonight. If you've been holding on to something for a long time, and you just, you're continuing to believe God, and you continue to stand, and you're standing, and you're standing, and you're standing, do what Paul said in the New Testament and stand again. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't back down. God will show up. He always shows up right on time. So the woman began pregnant in verse 17. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. The child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. So they were working. And I'm assuming that the son is old enough to kind of be out there with his dad working at this point. And he starts complaining to his dad in verse 19, and he says, my head, my head, like, I've got a headache. My head's hurting. And so being the kind and loving dad that he had, he told him, hey, he told his servant, hey, get my son and take him back to his mom. Let his mom deal with us, right? I don't know if the dad's insensitive here, if he's just busy working. I don't know his story. Maybe this kid is the kid that's always looking to get out of work when you're out in the fields, right? Maybe he's always got a headache or always needs to go to the bathroom or... You know, maybe he's, he's one of those kind of kids. Not sure what the, what the backstory is on this guy, but the dad's obviously not alarmed by it. And that's one of the things that I love about this account in the word of God. It is so relatable to our everyday lives. Dad's just out working. Mom's just out taking care of the house. Like, there's nothing in particular going on that's out of the normal. And this is when God shows up but this is also when the attacks happen. So he, said, he told his uh, servant, carry him to his mother, and he did. And in verse 20, it says, after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. So where does this leave us in the little restoration project of this lady's life? She gets exactly what she had wanted. And obviously she's gotten to enjoy the son for a little while. And then the son dies. Doesn't say he got really sick. Doesn't say they took him to the hospital and had him tested. Said he, he was in her lap. And this boy died in his mom's arms. So she literally watches the dream of her life slipped through her fingers in this moment. Like, that's the scene that's set in the room. Great times. Glad you came to church tonight to have some fun and be uplifted, right? <laughs> but what she saw was different than the picture I just painted. It says, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. Now, I want you to notice what this incredible woman of God did. Like so many of you sitting in this room, that when things go bad, you don't just give up. 
She didn't go and start making funeral arrangements. She didn't run to her husband, crying, looking to be consoled. She took her son and she laid him in the very place that she had dedicated to God. She took him back to the God place and she laid him on a bed. So what's her expectation already in that moment? Who do you put on a bed? Somebody who wakes up in the morning. Somebody who gets up, right? She could have ran to the, to the mortuary. She could have ran to the doctor, but she didn't. She takes and she puts this young man to the, on the place where she had given to God. To me, this is the ultimate act and show of trust and love to her heavenly father. She doesn't cry out to God and be like, man, God, you screwed up. I knew you were going to do this to me. Too good to be true. Not this woman's actions. She laid him on the bed. Now, a lot of times we come to church and, you know, we sing the songs about God's promises and standing on God's promises, and we could talk about the scripture and be like, yeah, you know, I'm standing on God's promises. When all the bills are paid and, you know, the kids are acting good and, uh, the car's running, the air conditioner's working just fine. Standing on God's promises. Man, that's easy stuff. We, we, standing on God's promises. Me and the wife are getting along, standing on God's promises. When that stuff starts to fall apart, then it becomes just a song that happened at church a lot of times. And people are like, man, I knew this was going to oh, This was too good to be true. I knew God wasn't going to follow through on this one. I, I knew this and I knew that. But you know what this woman knew? She knew God. And she knew the man of God. So check out what she does next. By the way, that's the second point. Build your life on God's promises. This woman built her life on God's promises. She didn't give up and walk away from it. That's so important. Like, we could talk about it, and it seems like another story in the Bible where someone just did the right thing but you realize, these are people like us. Except it sounds like she had more money than I have, right? But these are people like us, like ordinary, everyday people, just dealing with life stuff, right? And so think about the fact of what she's doing. Then what she does to her husband next is about right. She called her husband in verse 22 and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly in return. And he asks, why go to him today? It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. It's not time to go to church. Why are you going to go see the preacher today? It's not church day. Why, why are you running up to the church? What's that about? So she tells him. No, she doesn't. She did not tell him anything. And so many times I think our wives do this to us, man. They think they told us what's going on, but they did not really tell us what's going on, Right? Can I get an amen? amen? All right, we got some men in the house. Not the new morning or the Sabbath. And she just says, that's all right. Amazes me. This is like, husbands, this is like getting a phone call from your wife and saying, and I know most of y'all are not rich like this, but saying, hey, would you have our driver pull the car around? I need to go run some errands, and uh, I need to run up to the church and go see the preacher. And doesn't happen to mention to you that your son just died? 
She, she makes no mention of this at all. No mention that their son just passed away. Why do you think that is? He's not dead to her. I don't think he's lying. she's lying to her husband. I just think she's like, exactly what she said. That's all right. It's all right. How many times in our lives do we wish we would have just responded, it's okay. That's all right. We were having a, well, I mentioned air conditioners earlier. We were having a, one of those couple of weeks I talked about earlier. We were having two of those here pretty recently. And it's 11 o'clock at night. My wife, we're sitting on the couch. My wife says, you know, I hate to say this. And usually that's a precursor to something bad. And it was. She's like, doesn't feel like the air conditioner's blowing to me. Does it feel like it's blowing to you? And I was like, hmm, normally that would have been something I would have noticed. No, it's kind of muggy in here. So I get up and, you know, start filling around the vent because I'm such a great air conditioner technician um, <laughs> to see how cold the, the air is coming out of the vent, right? So I'm filling all around there, and I'm like, shoot. And so I'm, I'm like, I only know a couple of things about the air conditioner. Check the filter. Went and checked it. It was dirty, of course, so I changed the filter. I'm like, oh, that'll fix it, you know. I'm Mr. Fix-It. Just put a new filter in there. We're good to go. And then the other thing I know about air conditioners is they make noise. And so I went outside, mine wasn't making noise, and I was like, crap. The air conditioner's not making noise. That's usually a bad sign, right? So I called a guy who did know something about air conditioning, and he told me what I suspected. My air conditioner was broken. And I did not have the Shunammite woman um, response, you know. I was like, and this is an air conditioner. This is not like a child event. This is an air conditioner. And I was so mad. It made me so mad. I almost broke the air conditioner worse because I was so mad. Pretty easy fix. The guy comes back, uh, we, you know, we, he assesses it uh, during the night while I stand there and hold the flashlight for him feeling like I was doing something. And uh, the next day, he bought the part and, uh, and came back, and, and uh, I paid him, and he fixed it. And it was really pretty simple. It wasn't even really that hot that night, right? But, man, I just wish I'd have handled it like she had. And how many times is a car broken down or, a, you know, or you think something's going wrong at work? A lot of times it's not even going wrong. You just kind of have that feeling, you know, and you, you react wrong. Or you think somebody's giving you the stank eye or mad dogging you, and you react wrong, and, and you, you know, wish pretty quickly that you could take it all back. Guys, all of these reactions <laughs> prove to us how much we do or do not trust God. Because if we really trust God, is the air conditioner going out at 11 at night, is that really that big of a deal? I mean, don't we know he cares? Like, we know all the scriptures. He cares for the sparrow. They're clothed, you know. I'm up here doing tithes and offering scriptures all the time, right? And then losing my cool when the air conditioner goes out. It's just real life. This is just the life we live, right? But the Shunammite woman, she was different. Don't even tell her husband. It's incredible to me. Verse 24 says, she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Now, she's not, she's not, it's not that she's not in a hurry with her son. 
She loves her son. She tells the, the, the guy, lead on and don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out, came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Now, Elisha's acting a little more like I would in most situations. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Right? We see somebody coming that's not normally coming, and we always think, oh, no, something's wrong. And I'm not saying that something wasn't wrong here. And I would never make light of a situation maybe that you're going through. Maybe your air conditioner is broken down right now and, and it's really got you frustrated. And I'm sorry. Like, I, would, I wouldn't make light of that. That's not cool. I don't want you to go through those things, right? I don't want you to feel those things. But look how she's reacting. Elisha's just normal guy. Man, is everything okay? Is everybody okay? And she says, everything's all right. That's her story, and she's sticking to it. Everything's all right. And everyone knows that when a woman says everything's fine, (laughs) you know the storm is brewing behind those brown eyes. Like, you know something's coming. I'm fine. I'm okay. It's all right. So Elisha knows at this point, not everything's all right. Verse 27, it says when she, uh, sorry, we just read that. In verse 29, it says, Elisha, my wife gave me the stink eye and it kind of got me a little lost there. And <laughs> frustrated, I'm like, oh no, I'm, storm's brewing, storm's brewing. No, I'm kidding. I'm married to the sweetest girl ever. Verse 29 says, Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck in your cloak, take my staff and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. This will get the job done, he's thinking. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Now, I love this about this woman. Not only is she not panicked in the moment of God's promise, appearing to all of us like it's gone, but she's also very stubborn in the fact that she's not gonna let go of God's promises. And man, just let let me say this to you about the the women in your life, whether it's your your wife or your mom or your sister or whoever it is. Man, I know how stubborn they are. And I know sometimes we get really frustrated about how stubborn women can be. All the women are like, where's he going with this? But their stubbornness so many times saves people. It saves you from trouble. It saves me from trouble. Because when they get something in their head, and it's not moving furniture and they don't change their mind a hundred (laughs) times. When they get something in their head, they don't let it go. Especially when it means something to a woman. God built women that way. and We need to let them be who God created them to be. And you can't take this side of stubbornness without sometimes having this side of stubbornness. So stop fighting all the time about it and thank God that your wife is stubborn sometimes because look what it did for this woman. Now, that amen was a little bit too loud over there. <laughs> Lady over there is like, amen, like, oh, now I got permission to be stubborn. I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. I'm not sure who you were over there. I'm completely kidding. 
It's okay to have fun in church, right? And so this woman in her stubbornness is like, I am not leaving you. You brought this kid to me. And she goes on and says it. She's determined. She, she says in the next scripture right here, as sure as the Lord was, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and did all that, and it didn't work. There was no sound of response. So Gehazi went back and told Elisha, the boy is not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door, and prayed to the Lord. And where was it? I missed a scripture here. Oh, let's back up to verse 27 and 28. When she reached the man of God of the mountain, she took a hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, and the man of God said, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden to me. Why? And in verse 28, this is what she says to Elisha. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? See, a lot of times we think that in order to have faith and to be unmoved in the things of God, that we can't have feelings. And that's not true. And it was really important that I really wanted to talk about this, and I'm sorry I missed it earlier, but I really wanted to talk about this because she's not saying here that she doesn't believe God won't heal him. What she's saying is, God, you gave me this promise. I know you're not gonna take it away. I didn't ask for the son. You said you'd give it to me, Elisha. Here it's happened. So, buddy, you gotta go fix it. Right? And church family, it is not disrespectful when God blesses us in our lives to have that same attitude. Man, this is the job God blessed me with. Why would it cause me trouble? Right? This is the vehicle God has blessed me with. Why would it cause me trouble? It's okay to have that attitude. And it's okay to have that attitude and be in faith toward the Heavenly Father. This woman's faith never, ever wavered. Sorry, so now we're gonna jump back to where we were. So, Gehazi tried all that, laid the staff on his face, it didn't work. Nobody, nobody moved, nobody breathed. Nothing happened, there was not a great move of God. And Elisha goes in and locks himself in the room. And I love what it says here. He says, it shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Shut the door on the two of them. Not him and the dead body, Shut the door on the two of them. Like even in the scripture, it's accounted that this young man lives. Shut the door on the two of them. And then whenever he did, he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. I really got stuck on this scripture whenever I was studying this. So much so that I, I literally like stepped away from it. And I'm like, you know, why did he do this? I, I know that there was, there's a story of Elijah and a widow's son passed away and Elijah did this. And Elijah passed his blessing, his anointing onto Elisha whenever he left the earth and his cloak fell on him. He told Elisha, if, you, if you'll be around whenever I leave the earth. And Elijah did, left in a chariot of fire, never died. Elijah's still not dead. He's alive right now. He's never experienced death yet, but he will. And whenever he did, and that cloak fell, 
and Elisha got that cloak, then he got the same anointing. So I know Elisha was always there observing what Elijah did. I know that he saw him do this. But what we see here, we see the same desperation that was on that mom, the same passion, the same don't give up attitude jumps on Elisha. And in his fervency to see this kid healed, in his passion for it, he just lines up with this boy and is like, man, if I could breathe breath into this kid, if I could look life into this kid, if I could pass any anointing that God has placed on me, if I could pass this on to this boy, then that's what I'm doing. And he prayed and he prayed. And then it says that he got up and the boy was alive. No, that is not what happened. The boy's body began to grow warm and Elisha got up. The job wasn't finished. The boy was coming back, but he was still in that state. So he walked around and he prayed and they got on the bed and he stretched out one other time. And it says the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came in, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. A lot of times whenever we feel like we start going through something with God, and things start going well, and then things fall apart again, and then things fall apart again, and then things maybe even sometimes fall apart again, and we start to lose hope, and we start to think, Maybe God's promise wasn't everything that it cracked itself up to be. But God promises over and over again in a variety of ways. The cankerworm scripture sticks with me because my grandmother had to have said that thing to me hundreds of times when I was growing up. And it never made any sense of me until I needed it. amazing. I came to a time in my life where I was like, man, I think I've lost everything. I'm not sure how it could get any worse than what I'm looking at right now. And then God stepped in and he restored. And he didn't restore, he didn't restore what I had. He restored better than what I had. He didn't restore me to the place I was. He, stored, he restored me beyond the place that I was. So he restored my double wide and turned it into a mansion. Like that's what happened. This woman got her son back. I know we have lost people in our lives, all of us that we love and that we're close to and that we care about. And those people, my grandmother being one of them, those people haven't come back to life. We didn't get our son back or our parents back or our grandparents back or our uncle back. But God, if you will let him, will restore you beyond where you were. And here's my last point of the day, is that this woman was so grateful. In every Victory Church family, we have to be full of gratefulness. We have to be thankful for what God has done in the little things and in the big things. You're able to pay your water bill this month. Maybe you've never missed a water bill. Still doesn't mean you shouldn't be thankful for it. God's providing. 
Every time we eat a meal, we should thank God for that meal. Why, because it's a routine? No, but because we're grateful that our God cares so much about us that he's providing just the bread that we need for that day. Amen? We've gotta be thankful to God. We have to lay a foundation of trust. We have to build our lives on God's promises. And we have to be thankful whenever he comes through. Like the Shunammite woman was. And God can restore anything that's happened in your life. I don't care if it happened a week ago. I don't care if it happened earlier today. I don't care if it happened 40 years ago. God's timing might look like it's horrible to you. But don't doubt it. God's going to show up at the right time. In the New Testament, Romans 8.28 spells out that same scripture for us. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his, his design purpose. That's the New Testament scripture of the canker worm. That it's woven into his perfect plan of good for our lives. He'll turn around any situation in your life and he'll make it better than, than what you had before. Church family, what we have to do is just give him room to do it. We get, can't get caught into our own thoughts and our own, even sometimes our own experiences. This woman had other people in her family die before her son. Guarantee it, that's not the first person she knew that passed away. Go to funerals all the time. She knew what that looked like, but she didn't let her life experience dictate the restoration project that God had going on in her life. She just held on to his promises. And I just wanna encourage you tonight, no matter what you're going through in your life, no matter what it looks like, I don't care if it's financial, relational, I don't care what it looks like in your life, God's working. Trust him. And if, he's, and if you've not been in a relationship with him where you have built that trust, Begin to build it right now. Yeah, God can perform miracles 10 years down the road, but he's also capable of doing it tomorrow. I got a friend sitting over here, right here, that for decades was addicted to drugs. And in an instant, God set him free. In an instant, never used or drank since. In an instant. So not everything takes a long process of years. Just trust them wherever you're at today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Where we begin trust with our Heavenly Father, where we begin that relationship with Him, is different than what the Shunammite experienced. She had a prophet of God that she could go to. She had a man of God that she could go talk to and have relationship with God through that man in a sense. We have something so much better. That was the law, that was Old Testament. When Jesus came to the earth, that law was done away with. And grace and salvation came into the earth. And Jesus died for our sin. When he died for our sin and he took our place, he offered a straight relationship to God. No man standing, we don't need an Elisha. 
we can go straight to God. And with that comes salvation for eternity. So when you receive Jesus as the Lord of your Savior, the Lord and Savior of your life, you get a direct relationship with God and a relationship that will last for eternity if you let it. That's what I want to offer you tonight. This is the first step in having a relationship with Jesus. If you never received him as your Lord and Savior, if you're not walking with him right now, tonight's a night for you. This is a night that God's like, man, I'm ready to restore you. I want to do it. If you've been slacking, if you've not been serving him, man, if you've walked away from him and turned your back on him, tonight's the night for you to come back. Let God do what he wants to do. He's looking to bless you beyond what you even know you want. And so I'm going to ask you that if that's you and you want your life to be changed, and we're going to pray together here in just a few moments. And that's how you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. But if that's you, and you want to receive him tonight, or you want to come back to him, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you for all those hands. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. Would you put those up? You can put them back down. Anybody else looking around one last time? Thank you. Thank you so much. We're going to pray together, okay? All of us, even those who are in right relationship with God right now, we're going to pray and encourage you through prayer. So just repeat this prayer, prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, as I sit here tonight, I've realized how much I need you in my life. There are things about me that are broken and need to be fixed. I'm hurting and I need you to comfort me. And so I ask you to come into my life. Jesus, please come and be my Lord and be my Savior. Please forgive me of all the times that I've sinned or disobeyed you. Because I'm asking you to forgive me, I'll forgive all the people who have done bad things to me and treated me wrong. Thank you for loving me enough to come into my life. Help me from this time forward to be the best me that I can be. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.